Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 132. There are certain aspects of a Royal Caribbean ship that guests associate with being truly a Royal Caribbean feature. Over the years, Royal Caribbean has added a lot to its ships, but one particular feature stands out as something unequivocally Royal Caribbean, and that is the Royal Promenade. This cavernous hub of shopping, dining, and entertainment is an area of many Royal Caribbean ships where it seems guests are always going to spend time. This week, I want to look at what the Royal Promenade offers, some of my favorite things about the Royal Promenade, and why you will likely be spending a lot of time there too. Here we go. When you go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, there is so much to see and do, from the amazing shows to the incredible restaurants to just quality time at the pool. In fact, that's just a few aspects of what makes a Royal Caribbean cruise so enjoyable. These ships are built to give guests a great deal of variety so that there always seems to be things to do on board. As they say, variety is the spice of life. And when you think of places on a Royal Caribbean ship where there is a lot to see and do, inevitably, the Royal Promenade comes to mind. And this week, we're going to be focusing on this aspect of the Royal Caribbean cruise experience where I think many guests are going to find themselves going to time and time again. I know that I certainly have. And I think it's important to bring up the Royal Promenade because not only is it an incredibly amazing and fun place to spend time, it's also something very unique to Royal Caribbean and something that probably doesn't get nearly as enough attention or respect, quite honestly, in terms of being something that really gives guests a perfect spot on board to see, do, and enjoy. Now, the Royal Promenade is available on many Royal Caribbean ships these days. In fact, it's available on the Voyager-class ships, the Freedom-class ships, and the Oasis-class ships. The Quantum-class ships have a slight variant. They have a Royal Esplanade instead of a Royal Promenade, but we'll focus on the Royal Promenade for this episode. And the Royal Promenade is essentially, if you've never been on a Royal Caribbean ship, picture a large cavernous strip, long area of the ship, where you've got restaurants, you've got bars, you've got shopping, and inevitably this can also change at a moment's notice to have a parade or have a demonstration, or meet the captain, or a party can break out. Really, it's a multi-purpose venue that seems to have always have something going on, and it's because it's a hub of activity that I think this is why it's such an important part of the cruise experience, and why I find when I cruise on any of those classes of ships I mentioned, I feel like I'm always at the Royal Promenade, and when inevitably it's like, okay, what should we do next, or where should we go? Well, let's go to the Royal Promenade. Even if we're not going to the Promenade, maybe I'm going from one end of the ship to the other end of the ship, I prefer to walk on the Royal Promenade because inevitably it's more entertaining. I might see something I like or just be able to, you know, people watch or whatever the case may be. There's a lot going on the Promenade. Now, the Royal Promenade on most ships is going to be located somewhere in the vicinity of Deck 5. Certainly on Voyager and Freedom-class ships, it is there. What's interesting is the Royal Promenade on Oasis-class ships is just a much, like everything on the Oasis-class ships, a much larger version of its Freedom and Voyager-class sisters. So on the the Oasis-class ship, it's actually the Royal Promenade is nearly twice as wide as the Royal Promenades on Voyager and Freedom-class ships. And, I mean, there's just, you know, you've got street parties, you've got parades, acrobatics, demonstrations. I mean, there, there's a ton to see and, 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 and enjoy on the promenade. So let's talk about the different aspects and why you're going to find, I think, if you go on a Royal Caribbean cruise that offers a Royal Promenade, why you're going to spend be spending so much time here. So first of all, it's there's a lot to do. And we, I mentioned dining, I mentioned drinking, I mentioned restaurants. 
and I met, in fact, I mentioned restaurants twice. That's how important they are. <laughs> I mentioned shopping and some of the events. So let's talk about all those aspects. Certainly, bars and dining, big part of it, right? You've got a lot of bars. One of my favorites is inevitably you're going to find here a, a pub on board. This is the English-style pub that Royal Caribbean offers. They have different names on different ships, right? You have the Bull and Bear Pub on Freedom of the Seas, on Navigator of the Seas. is the Two Poets Pub. They're all just English-style pubs with slightly different names. But here, you're going to have one of the best experiences. I love the pub because if you enjoy a good bar experience, it's hard to go wrong with the pub on board. And it's not only that. What's great about the pub is they have indoor seating. So if you want to be inside to enjoy the real experience of being in a pub, right? They've got live music at night, which I love going to, and just enjoy that experience. Or you go outside, they have like almost the street dining where they have tables that are on the promenade themselves. And boy, is this a great spot. For people watching. Now, this is just one aspect of it. You've also got other bars. You've got bars like Vintages on some ships, which is a great wine bar. In fact, some of the comfiest chairs you're going to find. Inevitably, in my research, and this is <laughs> I use the air quotes here for research. If you're saying, Matt, I want to go somewhere comfortable. I want to relax, and my rear end needs somewhere comfortable as well. Vintages is always the right answer for you. They've got amazing chairs there. Not just from a aesthetic standpoint, just from a comfort level. They get they have real couches. I'm telling you, if you want to enjoy a drink, Vintages is the place to go. Now, something also that's been coming up on a lot of the refurbishments on ships is Arbar. And this is where I fell in love with Arbar. Arbar replaced a lot of the champagne bars on Freedom and Voyager class ships. And Arbar is a a 1960s vibe bar that features a lot of interesting uh, furnishings. It's definitely not your something you're going to find in your mother's living room. <laughs> There's a lot of very interesting and unique uh, furniture there. But what really makes our bar unique and, and really the reason why you go there is for the cocktails they come up with because they've got these mixologists that can obviously create anything you really want. That's of interest to you. If you just want, you know, your favorite drink, hey, they can make that for you too. But what I love going there is going there for the unique drinks that only are available at our bar and then taking it and enjoying one of the amazing chairs they make for great selfies and for a great drink experience. And boy, our bar is perfect there. Now, in terms of shopping, if you're looking for Royal Caribbean shopping, like Royal Caribbean logo merchandise, you're looking for your favorite uh, other kind of shops. Royal Promenade is a great place to go there because you've got so many different options for you. And we just like, I'll be honest, we don't necessarily buy nearly as much as we look, but I love window shopping. I love walking around and just seeing what's over there. Hey, you never know when there are deals that are going on because inevitably on the Royal Promenade during the day and night, any given time, there's going to be some sort of sale or deal going on. I'm sure you've seen if you've been on board. It's those tables that are swarmed by lots of guests who are looking for you know, maybe it's a deal on watches, maybe it's a deal on jewelry, accessories. It seems like there's always something going on there. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to look, right? And, of course, my favorite thing is the Royal Caribbean Logo Shop. So the Logo Shop is this shop on the Royal Promenade where you can get Royal Caribbean merchandise. Because inevitably when I go home, I want to have my Royal Caribbean mug. I want to have my bumper sticker on my car that says my other car, the other thing I drive is a cruise ship, whatever that bumper sticker says. And, you know, shirts that that remember the ship I was on. All those things. I love that. And I think a lot of people do as well. It's those things that you want to bring a little Royal Caribbean home with you. This is the shop for you. Now, let's get back to dining because, of course, inevitably, it's always about food here on this podcast, right? My two favorite picks. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three favorite picks. My three, <laughs> and, I, and I reserve the right to increase this beyond three. Number one, Sorrento's Pizza. Now, let me tell you this. I, I 
am a pizza snob. I come from the Northeast, where, in my humble opinion, we have the best pizza on earth. And all other pizza is does not compare. And this true is true for Royal Caribbean as well. I don't think very much of their pizza, but there is something about a Royal Caribbean slice of pizza from Sorrento's that just tastes good, even if it's just not the greatest slice of pizza in the world. It doesn't matter. I'm on a cruise. I'm enjoying the pizza. And I'll tell you, as the night goes lo- drags on, the later it gets, the better that pizza tastes, especially if you have a couple of drinks beforehand. Boy, it's great. My daughter loves Sorrento's pizza. I'm telling you, it's the one thing she will eat no matter what, no matter when, and she will eat a lot of it. Uh, every other food, it seems like it's always a struggle to get her to eat. Not at Sorrento's because it's just really easy pizza. I don't know how to explain it otherwise, but if you're looking for a slice of pizza, boy, this is the place to go. And of course, Sorrento's is included in your cruise fare, so no additional cost. And who doesn't enjoy morning pizza or late evening pizza? And depending if you go really late, then it becomes morning pizza again. <laughs> Great spot. Number two, Ben and Jerry's. Oh, dude, I love ice cream. Okay, I think that's probably not much of a stretch to say that, but I love, not only do I love ice cream, there are certain flavors of ice cream that I absolutely positively need to have. One of them is coffee ice cream. Now, in the main dining room, Royal Caribbean will offer coffee ice cream inevitably on a seven-night cruise at least once, but gosh darn it, I need it more than once. Ben and Jerry's is where I go, and what I love about Ben and Jerry's is obviously the quality of ice cream is great, the variety is amazing, and on top of that, being a Crown and Anchor member, almost all members, I think even gold members, will receive some sort of a discount or a buy one, get one, something like that from Ben and Jerry's. So if I'm going to already be getting a sweet discount on top of it, who am I to argue with getting some ice cream? And of course, what I love actually doing is if we're looking at the at the main dining room menu and at the dessert menu and we're looking at it and say, you know, there's nothing really jumps out at me, which basically means there's no coffee ice cream. Um, it's... All about it. Okay, let's just go to Ben and Jerry's and get a couple scoops to go. And again, you get you can either take it with you. You can sit there on those tables and do some people watching. It's wonderful for that. Now, speaking of people watching, probably the best people watching spot has got to be Cafe Promenade. Cafe Promenade is just boy. If there's one aspect, one place I could be in the Royal Promenade and be happy no matter what, it's probably Cafe Promenade for a couple of reasons. Number one, Cafe Promenade features some great coffee. There's there's free coffee and there's premium coffee as well, so whatever's up your fancy. Number two, they have those amazing sandwiches and desserts that no matter what time of day, I, it's amazing. I can I, I will I will be walking towards Cafe Pranat, not be hungry, but as soon as I see Cafe Pranat, all of a sudden I need to have one of those sandwiches or one of those cake pops or one of those brownies or cookies. Oh, I, it never ceases to amaze me. How it just seems I'm always hungry. I get the munchies right around Cafe Promenade. Who knew? But it's there's a great variety of that. And on top of it, it is the best perf- perfect place for people watching. If you want a great table to just sit down, enjoy one of those things I just mentioned, be it a coffee, be it a tea, be it a dessert, a sandwich, and look out on the promenade and be able to see everyone walking by, see what's going on, it's a great spot for that. I got to tell you, love it at Cafe Promenade. And it's, it's a Royal Caribbean staple, just like the, I mean, heck, it's got the word promenade in it, which we're talking about the Royal Promenade. Definitely a, a good place to go. And something I think that a lot of people, when you go on a, a couple of Royal Caribbean cruises, I think inevitably people start talking about stories from the Cafe Promenade, from Sorrento's. There's a lot of stories that come out of this area. You know what I mean? The promenade really stands out for that reason, because there just is so much to do and, and, and see on board. 
There's a lot more on the Royal Promenade beyond what I just mentioned. Even if you go to the Oasis Clap Shift, now you've got a Starbucks, you've got the On Air Club, Boleros, you know, the Rising Tide Bar. So the Rising Tide Bar, for those who aren't aware, is a bar on the Royal Promenade on Oasis Class ships that starts out here. Well, depending on your perspective, it does or it doesn't. But anyway, you can get at the Rising Tide Bar here. It's a bar. But what's unique about it is when you get on it here on the Royal Promenade, it actually rises, moves, physically lifts off the ground and brings you up a couple decks to Central Park. I, I Call me a sucker for things that have novelty to them. This is just a cool, what better way to people watch and then get a complete change of perspective because you're going up this very slow-moving rising tide bar than this. I, I can't think of a better option for you. <laughs> There's a lot of great things. I mean, you've, you've got the, the cupcake store. You know, there is a lot of, I think what makes the Royal Promenade so interesting is because it offers so much, number one. Number two, it is convenient to basically anywhere. You want to get from forward to aft or vice versa. You want to get outside to the promenade deck, you know, the, the outer deck. You want to find the elevators. Inevitably, you're going through the Royal Promenade, and, and it just seems like there's so much going on. Now, I just mentioned things that are open you know, during the normal course of the day. On top of that, you're going to have a lot more entertainment that's going on here. So if you're on a ship that has the DreamWorks experience, or just has, if it doesn't, then you're going to have a parade. Either way, you're getting some sort of a parade at the Royal Promenade, and you get this amazing parade where you get to, all of a sudden, you know, the lights dim a little bit, the characters show up. And there's an amazing uh, display of just, you know, fun, whimsical uh, entertainment on the Royal Promenade. And I, my kids love it. And what I lo- oh, what's also really enjoyable about it is it's not very difficult to see the parade. Inevitably, I find a lot of ample uh, space to be able to watch it from. My suggestion is actually, if you want to do it right to see the parade, go to one of the bars, sit down at one of the tables, and that way you can sit down for the parade and enjoy that. Usually, they'll put the rope to prevent guests from going into the parade route right at those tables. And the pub is probably the best place for that. So you go check that out there. Definitely, that's a big part of it. At night, also, you're going to have a lot of dance parties that are going to be taking place on the Royal Promenade. So whether it's a 70s dance party, the 80s dance party, any dance party, doesn't matter what it is, captain's reception, they're always, it seems like, happening on the Royal Promenade, and that's a big deal because a lot of people love these events because essentially the whole promenade fills up with guests who are dancing, enjoying the music, enjoying some drinks probably, and it's really a very, very cool thing to do, and you know, that's just some of the entertainment. You've also got, during the daytime, you're going to have different demonstrations. You're going to have meet and greet opportunities you know, with the captain, with characters. There are, on Freedom of the Seas, they had Freedom Fest. And this essentially was a lot of little activities all on the Royal Promenade. So you had towel folding. You had food demonstrations. You had meet the entire staff, of the, the senior staff, the captain, the cruise director, the, everybody at the hotel director, all of them there in one place to get a photo with. I thought that was really cool. So it's kind of like a you, you hit the biggies right there, and there's sales. If you want to sign up for a a, a, a spa, there's always someone who seems like selling the spas over there. Buy a drink package. I mean, it's really built. The Royal Promenade is built to be a hub of activity. No matter what time of day or night, it is the place to go. That's why I just really love it. So if you're if you're new to Royal Caribbean cruising. I think you're going to find yourself spending a lot of time at the Royal Promenade. And if you're not new to Royal Caribbean, if you've been there many, many times, I think a lot, I think you're probably nodding your head with a lot of what we're saying here in terms of the Royal Promenade being that 
that place. Certainly the pool deck has its moments, and a lot of people go spend a lot of time up there during the daytime. But I think overall, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, the Royal Promenade is not just an amazing place to go spend time, but it is an amazing Royal Caribbean experience that I have yet to experience on any other ship. So that's why the Royal Promenade is just so darn special. As always, thank you for joining me here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. We love talking about Royal Caribbean, as you can probably tell, but I love having you along with me for this experience, and that's why each and every week we answer your listener emails, whether it's a question, a comment, a thought, whatever's on your mind. The offer is always out there. Please send me your emails, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, so that way I can read your emails on the air, and we're going to start off today's email segment with an email from Lena who writes, hey Matt, as I sit here at lunch scouring the internet for more 2017 sailings, you mentioned email, so here I am. I am, like everyone else, hooked on your podcast. First, I'd like to thank you and the others for answering my questions in the forum. I'll be sailing on my first Royal Caribbean sailing on Enchantment of the Seas in May and then Allure in August. I managed to snag both during the 50-50-50 sale back in March. Woohoo! So now that these are up and coming, my sister and I have been scouring itineraries for one together. First, I was thinking of doing Brilliance from Tampa. I have family in, in West Palm, so I think we'd end up there for an extended visit. I'm dying to get my butt on the Radiance class ships and check out the refurbishment out there for myself. I've never been, but all that glass sounds awesome. I'm a photographer, so a gorgeous ship is the place for me. We then think Bermuda, one-stop kind of feel. And then I start weighing out flights and prices and think about leaving from home, which is New York and maybe the best. I think Anthem is over in New Jersey now. I want to cruise bottom line, so big or small ship really doesn't matter. Big ship, big ship. <laughs> After all that, I'm wondering if you have any idea when the rest of 2017 will be released. April is slightly too early for me to go. Ideas and advice would be awesome. Thanks so much for the podcast and all the invaluable information you and all the others contribute. Wow, Lena, thank you so much for the kind words and for sending in the email. So let's answer a couple questions for you. Number one, if you're wondering when the 2017-2018 itineraries will be announced, Royal Caribbean, actually, I posted this uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'll post a link in our show notes to it, Lena, just so that way in case you missed this, you can go take a look at it. Basically, starting the week of February 22nd through the week of March 21st, Royal Caribbean will be releasing each week different itineraries. For the Caribbean Bahamas and the Northeast, which is, I think, what you're most interested in, Royal Caribbean will announce those itineraries the week of March 7th, 2016. Somewhere within that week. It doesn't mean it'll be on the 7th necessarily, but it'll be somewhere in the week of March 7th where those itineraries will be released and then you can get more information kind of what you're looking for. Now, I think going back to your other question is you want to plan another cruise, what to do. And boy, Lena, your thought process you just went through there is exactly what I go through. I think a lot of others do as well. Is the, well, do I take the cruise that's near me and I go with this itinerary or do I fly down and I get to do this ship? And there's always lots of options, right? And I think having a lot of options is a better problem to have than not enough. And so that's why I think it's it's a good problem to have. Now, looking at it, I just did a cruise on Brilliance of the Seas back in November, and certainly you may have already listened to that podcast episode, Lena. If not, I will link to my review of Brilliance of the Seas. I had a great time. Radiance class ships are beautiful. It's you, I think you nailed it. They're, the glass, the views, the intimate feel of the ship, it really stands out, and I think you can... I think you would really enjoy it. No no question about it. Now, going out of New York, I totally understand the idea that, hey, how about we save on airfare 
and go on a cruise that I can drive to. And I'll tell you, that has a lot of pull for me as well. And there are two options you've actually got. I don't know where you live in New York, like how upstate you live. But number one, Anthem of the Seas goes out of New Jersey, Bayonne. So it's right across the river in in Bayonne, New Jersey. Very easy to get to from New York City. It's like without traffic, you know, maybe 30 minutes. Very easy drive. If you're interested in driving a little bit more, don't overlook grandeur of the seas going out of Baltimore. And she offers cruises to the Caribbean, to Bermuda. She sails year-round out of Baltimore. It can be another great option for you as well. So you've got some pretty good choices there. I think what it's going to come down to are itinerary, number one. Number two is going to be price. Certainly, Anthem of the Seas is an amazing ship, but it's going to command a little bit higher price because it's a newer ship, whereas Grandeur, Grandeur always has amazing values. I'll tell you that right now. And of course, if you're going on Brilliance out of Florida, well, you're going to find some really great deals on that. So it really depends on, you know, what your budget is, what itinerary you're looking at. Maybe, you know, Grandeur lines up nicely in terms of price, but you're not too keen on necessarily, I mean, you mentioned going to Bermuda, but maybe you want to do something different. Obviously, Brilliance is going to offer a much different Western Caribbean experience than you will get on a cruise Bermuda or even Anthem, which a lot of times ends up going to places like the Bahamas because it's got to get, you know, spends two days just getting down to the Caribbean. So it's kind of limited in that regard. I'm not sure, you know, a 12 night cruise is up your alley also, but there are some really cool itineraries there too. So basically, Lena, boy, there's a lot to consider, but I think you're on the right track. And I would say. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong. All those options I just mentioned, and there's a lot more. Those are only three. I think those are really good choices, and I don't think you can go wrong. So, Lena, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that, what you end up deciding, because you got some good options in front of you. Thank you for the email, Lena. Appreciate it. Next email is coming to us from Rainin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hello, Matt, fellow Royal Caribbean cruise fanatic. When I'm not cruising, which is way too much of the time in my opinion, I'm reading cruise news, watching port webcams, and reminiscing about past cruises. That is what led me to your podcast, which I enjoy every week without fail. A travel agent sized me up before my first cruise, noted my lack of children and desire for a reasonably priced but quality cruise experience, and nudged me towards Royal Caribbean. Since then, I've been on Majesty, Monarch, Voyager, Adventure, and Freedom, and looking forward to sailing on Jewel this March. This leads me to my question, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe this has been addressed in episode 51. How do gratuities, prepaid or otherwise, work when you don't eat all your meals in the main dining room? When you see the daily tipping structure, it includes for the main and assistant waitstaff, as well as the maitre d'. But what happens if you eat your meals in specialty restaurants or the Winjamer? On a previous cruise, due to a lack of availability of our desired dining time and a less than satisfactory table pairing, we ended up eating most of our meals at the Winjamer. At the end of the cruise, I ended up feeling like we had stiffed the dining room staff, but they had actually only served us once. And I spent the last night of the cruise searching out a very nice gentleman who had served us amazingly multiple nights in the Windjammer, refilled our drinks, took our plates, brought us dessert, way above the call of buffet duty, to give him a well-deserved cash tip. And now with the automatic tipping, it becomes even more confusing. And back-to-back specialty restaurants, does part of the automatic gratuity go from the main dining room staff to the staff that you waited on you in the specialty restaurants on those evenings? It's also confusing. Please help. I want all these hardworking people who reportedly live off their tips to appropriately be taken care of. Keep up the great work. Love the podcast. Brandon, I think you have a very, very good question here. And a lot of people struggle with this as well. So let me explain to you the gratuities and then we'll kind of dive into this. So no matter who you are, you go on a real Caribbean ship, whether you eat in my time, whether you eat in traditional, you're going to be getting, you're subject to automatic gratuities. Now you have the option of prepaying them or you have the option of just going on the ship 
and the gratuities will be just added on to every day. So if you were to look at your CPAS account, every day of your cruise, you will see a new charge for your gratuities. And it's, the gratuities are per, per per person, right? So if it's you and your wife or you and your kids, it doesn't matter. Every person gets hit with the gratuities. And it's an automatic gratuity. And the reason why Royal Caribbean instituted this is because... Unfortunately, there were a lot of guests who were not giving gratuities. Back in the day, gratuities were something that everybody was expected to do, but it wasn't automatic. It was just something basically the last before the last night of your cruise, you get these little envelopes, and you would be highly suggested that you should go give your tips to your waiter, your assistant waiter, and the head waiter, and your stateroom attendant. And it was up to you to go deliver it. And I think there's there's two problems. Number one, as I mentioned earlier, some people just didn't do it. Number two, it's kind of awkward. I'll be honest. I don't mind doing it, but it is kind of weird. Like, hey, like there's no easy way to broach the subject, you know, and some people just didn't feel comfortable doing it. So I totally understand that. Today, it's all automatic. Now, that being said, you bring up your situation where you say, well, I'm not eating in the main dining room. And so then, you know, you want to, but you just want to tip people. I think that's an important aspect. Let's, let's keep something in mind and something that, first of all, Gratuities in general are a very touchy subject in, in cruising these days. People have very strong subjects, or very strong feelings, rather, about gratuities. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what's right or wrong. I'm going to tell you my opinion on it, and if you agree with me, that's great. And if you don't agree with me, that's okay, too. That's fine. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not your mother. I'm not going to tell you, you know, what is right or wrong. I'm just telling you what I said. First and foremost, I think it's safe to say that everybody believes the staff on Royal Caribbean, the crew, does an amazing job. They do a great job taking care of you, and... By the same point, many of them do, you're right, live off of tips. Tips are a big part of their uh, of, of their income, especially the wait staff and your stateroom attendants. Now, you do have the option with the automatic gratuities of going to guest relations on your ship and saying, I'd like to have guest, the automatic gratuities removed, and they will remove it for you, in which case you can go and apply your own gratuities. Now, by the same token, you might say, you know what? The automatic gratuities aren't enough. I just want to give everybody $100. I don't know. Whatever. You want to give them more than that. You don't want to be dealing with the automatic gratuities. That's fine. That's your prerogative as well. And obviously, also, if someone hasn't reached your level of satisfaction, that's also your prerogative to you know, adjust the gratuities as you see fit. But you do have that option. So you can get on board the ship, ask them to not apply the automatic gratuities, and then give your own gratuities as you see fit. That is an option for you. The specialty dining... So the way that the specialty dining, if there's a cover charge, keep in mind, cover charge is different than a restaurant that is a la carte, but if there's a cover charge, what's supposed to happen is that cover charge is supposed to include the service, so a gratuity, and the and the higher quality food. The breakdown of that, no one really knows like how much is for what, but theoretically, that's how it was explained since when they first started adding those restaurants. So theoretically, that's included in there. Now, you can definitely tip on top of it, and it's more of your prerogative to do that as well, but... Uh, it's something that, you know, it's completely up to you in, in terms of that. So it sounds like what you want to do based on your preferences is remove the automatic gratuities if you're comfortable with that. Then you would have to turn around. I would hope that you'd still be giving your stateroom attendant their gratuities. You can't break it up, unfortunately. Like back in the day, it was broken up. Now it's just an automatic lump sum and it's broken up by Royal Caribbean. So you can just basically figure out what the gratuities are for your stateroom attendant. Give the, your stateroom attendant a tip there. And then, hey, someone's taking care of you in Windjamer. Yeah, absolutely. You can give them a tip that way and, and do it there. Uh, just keep in mind, you know, what your the services that are being rendered to you. And again, it's it, this is something that it, it's touchy. I'll be honest with you. I always I keep my gratuities on there. Now, granted, I do eat in the main dining room, 
not every night necessarily. There are a couple nights where we'll go to specialty restaurants, but nonetheless, I keep them on there. I may give a little bit here or there if, if, if I see fit, especially in the Adventure Ocean program. And inevitably, I find there's someone, especially in the nursery, if they're taking care of my children and they're dealing, you know, I'm not being bothered and they do a really good job, which I can always see. There's, I usually slip, some, slip them a little bit more money there, and that's an option as well. But I hope that kind of explains your, 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 explains kind of your concerns there and that you can take the automatic gratuities off if you so choose. You have to go to guest services. But understand, you know, I, I hope that this information is not being used purely just to, I'm going to get on my soapbox here, not just to, you know, uh, I'm not, I don't feel like they, I don't want to pay anybody any tips. It's not like this. This isn't dining at McDonald's. These are people that work very, very hard for their money. And if they're doing a good job, they deserve recognition for that, not only in the in a thank you, but in financially. And it's important that you're making sure that if someone's giving you good service in the Windjamer, and that's how you're choosing to dine, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I love going over there. Then you should be tipping them accordingly, and you absolutely can do that. So, and it sounds like you're that's kind of your you're on your uh, that's the kind of the area you're going for, Ranan. Ran, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. But if not, uh, you know, make sure that you know you're, you're taking care of the people. It's not just a means of saving money because let's face it, if you can't afford the, you know, on a seven night cruise, the hundred or so odd, some odd dollars for a gratuity on board, or you think you can't, then perhaps a cruise vacation is not up your alley. Perhaps you should be saving more money in order to do, because that is, this is part of the experience for better or worse. It's the nature of the cruise industry. And then this is a different discussion for otherwise, but anyway, I'll leave it at that. And it is a good question to bring up. And I'm glad you did that. Next. We have an email from my very good friend, Jeff Swearingen, who writes, Matt, I'd be really interested in hearing you talking about the podcast about how Zika virus is currently affecting Royal Caribbean cruises and shore excursions. I've been trying to find more information about this, but so far, all i found is the option for pregnant women to rebook. I'm trying to decipher between the hysteria and the CDC information and what is actually being done on board in practice. Jeff, this is a very timely question. Obviously, the Zika virus, I'm sure many of you heard it by now. It's all over the news in the United States because the media loves to harp on this. Is a virus that's spread among mosquitoes where there are there can be, and there has been some cases in mostly South America, like Brazil, where women that were pregnant and got infected with the Zika virus had birth defects associated with their children. And that's the main part of this, right? The Zika virus in and of itself, in people that are not pregnant or not planning on being pregnant, so that's men and women who don't fall into one of those two categories, essentially 80% of persons that are infected have no symptoms and the other 20% have some symptoms that are similar to a common cold or maybe even a very low-grade flu. They're not severe at all. This is not a SARS or Ebola type scenario. This is basically a scenario where if you are, if you're someone who is thinking about becoming pregnant or is pregnant, you obviously want to avoid the Zika virus, and this is something that's because it's spreading from South America up to Central America and even to parts of the Caribbean and southern United States, it's becoming more of a concern. I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff. I'm not downplaying the significance of this. If you are someone who is uh, someone who is is a woman who is pregnant currently, going on a cruise, or you're going on a cruise and you think you might be pregnant somewhat soon, or you're thinking about getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant, obviously the Zika virus is something not to be ignored and you should, I would recommend either consider rebooking to a different itinerary, consider delaying your cruise until your post-birth situation is probably the best scenario, or or take significant steps to prevent uh, mosquito bites. Now that being said, 
Jeff, I know you personally are a man, so I don't not if and I let me put it this way. I'm not even going to put it for you. I'm not going to speak for you. I'm going to speak for myself here. And this is Matt talking to you. I could be wrong on this. It's just my opinion. And let me put it this way. This is just my opinion. I think the media is blowing this completely out of proportion. There is a threat. There is a risk. No question about it. I do not feel this risk is significant at all for anyone who is not pregnant or trying to be pregnant. Okay, I hope that's clear. If you are not pregnant or you're not trying to be pregnant, I really don't feel there's any any more risk here than any risk you might have about, I don't know, I don't know, uh, worrying about catching the flu. I mean, are you going to, re- you know, do you not cruise during the winter because you're afraid you might catch the flu? Because a lot more people, significantly more people will catch the flu or some sort of upper respiratory infection, which has significantly worse symptoms than the Zika virus. This is just, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of weird with this. I think the media blows a lot of things out of proportion because their job is to scare you in order to get ratings. Thus, the Zika virus is a classic example. So don't forget, do you remember the whole thing with Ebola, with SARS, with West Nile virus? I mean, this is just, the, the media loves to harp on this and they're making this seem like a bigger deal than it is. So if you don't fall into those two categories I mentioned earlier, you're pregnant or you're trying to be pregnant, I don't think, in my opinion, there is a significant risk and I wouldn't even bother worrying about it, to be perfectly honest with you. Again, Aside from those two scenarios. And Jeff, I hope that kind of explains what I'm trying to get. I know there's a little bit of Matt getting on a soapbox here. But I want to make sure, you know, it's like you said in your email. Decipher between the hysteria and the CD inf- CDC information. And basically what's happening is the, the World Health Organization and the CDC are basically saying, well, there's an elevated risk. Compared to what it was maybe a month ago, the risk is elevated. But it's not like it's, you know, people are falling over dead. It's just there is a risk for people, for women that are pregnant or trying to get pregnant. And I think that's really what's important to understand here. Certainly, you know, taking preventive measures against mosquitoes is a is good idea in general. You know, making sure that you, you know, apply bug, bug spray. If you can, wear clothing that covers up your skin. Or maybe you just stay on board. That's really what you want to take a, a way of avoiding it. That's another option for you. So my suggestion, Jeff, and I think I've said this like five times now, and I apologize for repeating myself. If you're not a woman who is trying to get pregnant or is pregnant currently, I would not worry about it at all. Call me crazy. And if you think I'm crazy, please email me, Matt, at RoyalCreamBlog.com. I love reading emails where people think I'm crazy. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first person to think that. Hey, we can talk about it some more. But good email, Jeff, and thank you for reaching out to us about that. we got time for one more email here, and let's go to... Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go... I'm going to... How about we reach deep down into the bag, huh? Get something down at the bottom... Let's go to an email from Jared, who writes, Hi, Matt. Listen to your episode 110 about Cosmo and Belize. As my wife and I are going on Liberty Seas this April, uh, I figured I'd give you some information on Roatan from research we did. The main thing to do if you have kids is to go to West Bay. It's the best beach in the area. A couple of resorts offer good deals like Bananarama.com to get you there and Umbrella, Drink, etc. The other beach spot we booked it's rated number one on TripAdvisor is Little French Key. And there are, I'll post links in the show notes, by the way, to both of these options that Jared is linking here. You get off the boat and you'll end up taking a small boat to the small island with great amenities. Hope this helps. Glad I found your blog and podcast and Periscope. Jared, these are great recommendations. I love I love firsthand recommendations uh, for these pl- spots. Uh I, I as many of you know, I love going to uh Cozumel. I've been to Belize once. I I enjoyed Belize. I did the wrong, I feel like I didn't do a great excursion because I picked poorly, but there are some really great things to do. 
The other thing, and I may have mentioned this on the on the episode, for Belize, the other great thing to do in Belize is the uh, the Mayan ruins and cave tubing are probably the number one and two big things to do there. In Roatan, I think you are right about the West End and the and Little French Cave heard very good things about. TripAdvisor is great for this, and this goes into something that we talked about earlier about planning excursions, Jared. And I think you did the exact right thing here. You went to TripAdvisor, which is a great resource. You looked up all the activities that are there. And obviously, if they're in the top 5, 10, well, there's probably a good reason that they're there, right? I mean, there's probably people are enjoying them. And then you figure out what's appealing to you, number one. And number two, then you start diving into the reviews to see what people are saying about them. Not just on TripAdvisor, but other websites as well. And kind of, you know, figuring out for yourself, sifting through the reviews to figure out what is going to be a good choice for you and your family. And I think that you're, you're on it. And I love the recommendations. Thank you very much, Jared, for these recommendations. And thank you to everybody for listening to Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. As I say, and I mean this every time, I love doing this for you guys. I love talking Royal Caribbean. And I would love to have your emails as well. So if you have a question, a comment, a thought, a suggestion, maybe it's a suggestion on shore excursions, maybe something I talked about about the Royal Promenade, maybe it's about how crazy I am with my crazy thoughts about tipping or the Zika virus or or Sabor, <laughs> whatever it is. Honestly, this is your forum to talk Royal Caribbean. Send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Don't forget, uh, make sure you – we have a lot of things going on at royalcaribbeanblog.com. This is not just news and information on the blog. We've got a great message board over there. We have a number of group cruises planned. I, I really mean this when I say I want each and every one of you that is listening to join me on any and all of those cruises. For more information, I'll post a link in our show notes, but you can check it out. It's royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events for more information about our group cruise. We've got one, Freedom of the Sea, September 4th, 2016. It's our Labor Day weekend. And then an amazing cruise, I got to say, on Navigator of the Seas, February 17th, 2017. It's going to the ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, and Labadee. So I think uh, someone said it was the ABCL Islands, <laughs> which I love. But it's going there. It's going out of Miami. No flying to Puerto Rico, and we're going to the Southern Caribbean. Boy, it's the best of both worlds, right? So more info, all that information, it's over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Go check it out right there. And, of course, all the links I mentioned, they're all waiting for you in our show notes. So that way you don't have to worry if you're driving, if you're at work. Don't worry about writing all this stuff down. It's all waiting for you at royalcaribbeanblog.com in our show notes. Have a great week. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.